Hey, thanks for checking out the Blake Benz podcast. On today's episode, we have Chad Borquin, who I gotta say, he is quite the unique guest. He's a traveling musician. He's got a killer story. He's also the creator of the Dream Big series. You've got to check out this episode. You're gonna feel encouraged and motivated wherever you are in your business journey. Enjoy this episode, and I will catch you next week. everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Blake Benz podcast. Today, we have an actual rock star on the podcast. I have Chad Borquin on the podcast. Chad, did I say your last name right? That's perfect. Perfect. Okay. Chad is a touring guitar player. He's a keynote speaker. I mentioned he's a rock star. He's also the co-founder of the Dream Big Series. Chad, man, thank you for being here today. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Now, I already feel like I'm just excited because I can't say I've ever had a musician on the podcast before. And uh, I'm just, I mean, I'm excited just to dig in and hear a little bit of your story. Yeah, for sure. Well, it, it goes back to when I was in high school. My, uh, I grew, you know, my brother and I grew up on a farm and we had this band come through our high school and I was, I was 17 years old. Well, we had, first of all, we had music on my mom's side, everybody played something, you know, but I didn't really get too serious about it until age 17. It, this band comes through and plays at our high school for this. It was a keynote concert. And, uh, my buddy looks over and says, Hey, why don't you learn to play guitar and we'll start a band. And man, that it was, it was that simple. You know, you talk about a few words that change the entire trajectory of a person. And uh, yeah, that's, that's what happened. I, I went home and started to, I didn't have a guitar. I had to figure that out. You know, I started playing and we started playing in this band and we practiced like three times a week, learning two songs for six months. Mm. We were probably not very good. I don't remember <laughs> at the time, but we get this gig at this, at the same, in the same place that we saw this other one in this, in the school auditorium for a town meeting and the place is packed. Mm. I mean, I think the guy, I think my buddy's mom was involved in booking the thing. And, and I just remember, I was like, wow, this was amazing. They were all so nice and cheering loud and all that. And, and, uh, I got, you know, I got done with that and thought, I want to do this. Mm. Well, shortly after that, I, I found that we had a, a new practice place and, or I thought we had a new practice place and I was driving, you know, Colby, Kansas is not very big. And I was driving down main street and the doors open to what I thought it was. And I go stop and I, I stop and I go walking down the stairs and there's music playing. And, and I, and I get to the bottom and it's, a, it's, three of the guys from our band with a different guitar player and a different drummer. And that's how I found out I was no longer in the group. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so uh, my buddy, you know, he felt horrible, but I went home and I was hurt and I, I took that and then I got angry and I'm like, I'm going to show them type deal. You know, uh -huh. and I started practicing, you know, four, five, six, seven hours a night. I, I, I drove a hundred miles one way. Uh, every Sunday for six months to take guitar lessons because wow. that was the closest one I could get to. And you so know, me, what long, go ahead. I was just saying, let me, let me hit a pause button. Cause there, I, there's already some things that I want to unpack a little bit. Okay. If that's okay. And then we'll yeah, for sure. pick up, we'll pick up from right there here in a second. Take me back to, um, cause you're already talking about like all of this commitment and like how many hours you threw in and, 
I mean, I know people who like can't even like dedicate, you know, the bare minimum to something that they're interested in. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about like full on commitment. Take me back to the very first, you know, you're 17 years old, you're 16 years old, and you hear this band, there's this concert. And because you, you, you share it real nonchalantly, like, oh, yeah, we started playing. But like, what, what was it? What was there that made you say, yeah, I am going to get a guitar and I am going to start doing this? I mean, what, what was that? You know, I don't really know at the time. I, you know, I, other than it was just the coolest thing I think I'd ever seen. You know, we were in such a small town. We just didn't get these opportunities like this, you know? Yeah. And it just was something I, I, I grabbed onto, you know, I was, I was also a cross country runner and I think I got a lot of work ethic from there. I got a lot of work, work ethic from being on the farm, but this was the first thing that just like, it just reached down and it grabbed me. I'm like, I want to do this. Spoke to your soul. It did. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool. And then, and then moving forward to, uh, the, <laughs> the painful rejection of getting yeah. kicked off the band Man, I just I love how that compelled you to really double down and really hone in on I'm gonna start dedicating several hours a night, even to the point of what you just said, driving a hundred miles just for guitar lessons. I mean, that's a level of commitment that you don't see too often. Well, yeah, there was not as many options for entertainment back then. Uh-huh. So, you know, I, I mean, that might be part of it. You know, we didn't all have cell phones. We didn't have video games. We didn't have all that stuff going on at the time. Yeah. And it was just, you know, you kind of had to drive a hundred miles almost to do anything back there <laughs> anyway. So it was that, sure. that wasn't as, it wasn't as big as deals it seems, but it was, it was definitely a commitment and it was, it never seemed like work to me though. Huh. That's the thing. You know, I would, I would, I would practice these hours doing these ridiculous scales or uh-huh. even drills. They were so monotonous uh-huh. over and over and over. And I would force myself to, when I'd start at the bottom of the neck, I'd do it on each fret, work my way all the way up. And if I made one mistake, I'd make myself start over. Mm-hmm. And that was just with one drill. And I would do that with a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought it was a blast. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, did, it didn't seem like work because I, I loved seeing the improvement that happened with that. And, you know, it wasn't long before I quit being mad about being kicked out and just fell in love with it. You know, that we all, we got all past that pretty fast. But well, um, at the time, like, where did you think this was going to go? Like, were you, were you being so um, committed to the practice because you envisioned yourself on stage? I mean, was it just something you just loved doing? I mean, where, where were you putting yourself mentally in terms of what this was going to lead to? Well, I think there was, I think I was able to, to see what it was going to be like on stage. You know, I'm mean, that first, most people play their first gig for nobody. Uh, <laughs> you know, our first gig had an entire city show up because they were there for that meeting. Uh-huh. So right off the bat, I thought, wow, this, if this is what it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it wasn't all the time, but that was my perception of it. Uh-huh. And uh, eventually I got picked up by a group that was, was pretty popular in the area that I was in that I ended up playing with for about five years and traveling all over the road, um, all over the Midwest, Canada. We played like four to six nights a week uh, for like five years. I mean, I didn't have a car. I didn't have a house. I didn't, (laughs) nothing. I just, I was just town to town, you know, we'd go to one town, be there for about four or five days and go to the next one. 
Man, you know, it's funny, like listening to you and it's real energizing because, you know, and for some of the listeners who maybe they aren't watching the video of this or just listening to the podcast, man, it's exciting to see how like lit up you are talking about this stuff. I mean, you know, this, you got a smile from ear to ear. It's obvious that like you've, you have found so much positivity and energy from chasing after what really drives you. And I, it's interesting how that's, that it's, that's a bit rare these days. It's a bit of a rarity to find someone who it's like, Oh, it's not work to me. You know, it's something I love doing. And so has that something that's always been true about you? I mean, did it come later? I mean, what's the secret sauce to your optimism? Well, okay. So there, there is a middle section of my life where it, I w- it was, I wasn't doing this, you know, the, so after, at the end of that five years of playing with that group, our singer walked out and decided he was done. And the, the words that my dad had said to me when I was trying to decide what I was going to go to college for like five years previous to this point were you can't, you, you got to have a backup plan because you can't make any money doing music. And that was the second thing I remember that really made me mad. And I was like, I'm going to prove him wrong, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, I don't blame my dad. My dad, ironically, my dad's an inventor. And so he's creative in himself. And he was, he was dealing with a failure he'd went through in that process at that time, which I'm sure played into his advice to me because he didn't want me to get hurt too. Sure. But at the end of that five years with that band, when that singer left, those words came back to haunt me because I remember, I remember thinking instead of doubling down at that point, like I did before, I remember thinking, well, I guess my dad's right. Mm. I'm going to have to go do a backup plan. So I did. I mean, I, I had five or three different backup plans, five years apiece that were, I became an entertainment agent, which I've learned a lot from that. Then I sold vitamins for five years and then I had an advertising company for five years mm. And the, it was at the end of that, I was in, I, I was still playing just kind of for fun on the side, play at church and whatnot. But it was the end of that. I was in my studio. I, I'll never forget this moment. I'm just like, I can't do this anymore. I am. I'm not, first of all, I'm not even making money at the advertising company because we were going through this, that 08 crash and everything was just tanking. And so I'm not even making money at this thing and I don't like it. I, if I'm going to go down, I'm going to at least... I'm going to go down doing something I want to do. And it was that, and we'd already started big time grand company, the group with my brother at that point. And we're seeing some pretty, pretty decent success just kind of on a, on a hyper local level. But I decided to double down at that point again, like I did when I first started and say, all right, I'm going to, I'm going after this thing. And that was really, that was the day. And that was about seven years ago. That was the day things really turned around for me again. And I mm. got this energy back. I got this passion back. Mm. And with it came the message that has led to our Dream Big series because, you know, one of the things I love talking about is, is how do you find that inner rock star if you don't know what it is or maybe you forgot what it is? You know, that, and that's, a, that's the case a lot. I'm sure you run into that. People, they get so stuck in this zone of, you know, there's this zone of excellence that these things that they're really good at and they've made money at, and now they're trapped because they don't know how to get out of it into their zone of genius, which is what they were created to do. Mm. Um, and that's, that's a real passion of mine to help other people through that process while we're doing that. Now, you know, now my uh, brother and I, we had the best year ever last year with, with the band. We bought a, we bought a tour bus last year, which is a big step. It was actually Vince Gill's originally to uh, his tour bus. And, Lots of fun experiences on that because 
we learned that owning a tour bus is way different than renting. <laughs> but it's been you know, it's been it's been an amazing experience and we're just we're just having fun you know mm. uh we we play we've met some amazing people out there playing for them and and playing these festivals and these corporate events and and then these dream big series as well so talk to me a little bit about the dream big series yeah that is a that is a combination of a few things that all are designed to help inspire people to figure out what their inner rock star is. So we do, one of the things we have is we've got videos we create with people that are, we're connected to that have had levels of success that might have things to say to up and coming musicians or artists or whoever. Mm -hmm. So like one of those is Lester Estelle. He plays drums for Kelly Clarkson. Oh, (laughs) Uh, you know, the, uh, uh, we just did one with Dan Weller, who is the guitar player and keyboard player for Florida Georgia line. Oh, cool. And, uh, and just people like that. So that's part of it. Then we go into the, these either schools or corporations and do a keynote concert, which we're tying in their messages. We're tying in our message and we're wrapping it all into a all out concert. You know, we're setting up mm. full production and like when we go into the school, <laughs> it's, it's crazy because you know, you get kids out of class for a concert. It's you're already <laughs> in a good spot with them. You know, they're happy to be You've there. You've won them. <laughs> You've won them. Yeah. yeah so yeah. So then it gives us this platform to share a few things with them that they might, you know, yeah. might be helpful to them finding their own inner rock star. And then, you know, I've, I started recently started my own podcast, which is tied around the same theme as well. So that's cool, man. So tell me like in your experience, like what's, what is it that keeps people from having clarity on what that, you know, the zone of genius, that inner rock star, because mm-hmm. I do talk to a lot of people, I'm sure you have as well, who they they don't know who that person is. They just know the dysfunction or the, the lack of resonance that they're feeling with their current circumstances. You know, they just know they don't like their job. They're not happy with what they're doing. But if you ask, well, what, do you, what would you want to do? Well, geez, I don't, I don't know. I mean, what's your advice for someone like that? Well, I think the first thing is for that person to just learn to start getting intentional about thinking about it. Hmm. And, and not try to force mentally force something like that to happen. If they don't know what that, that is, if they don't know what it is, you know, for me, the best time of thinking I have is in the morning, you know, when it's quiet, nobody else is up. It's, you know, you're just coming out of sleep. And I think that's when a lot of answers come for me. And I think a lot of people are the same. Some people will say it's right before bed as well for them, but allow them, allowing myself to just, relax and, and just think, Oh, what are the possibilities? You know, before, before the rest of the day has a chance to jack it up. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Which is going to happen. And so I think, I think that's probably what the best thing is for me that, because I still use that process, even though I know what I want to, I know what it is for me and what I'm doing. There's, there's all these pieces that still need to be done. And there's good ways to do those pieces and bad ways. And the answers to that for me come, you know, in the morning through meditation and just being quiet and just laying there and listening. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a lot of it. And then, and then start, don't try to figure out the final step. In fact, only think about when you start honing in on it, what is the next step? 
One of the things that Dan from Florida Georgia Line, that's, I love this term, he called it the corridor of opportunity. Hmm. And it was how he ended up from Western Kansas. He was from Western Kansas too, to playing with one of the biggest bands in the world. He led us through this whole process and he called it the corridor of opportunity where he would just take the next step. And, and what those all led to. And, and Sarah Mack, we, we, I just did an interview with her as well. And she talked about this too. It was like, if you've got step one, two, and three, you don't know what kind of person you're, you're going to even be by the time you get to step three. So don't figure it out now. Just right. think about step one because it can impact step two. Well, and then can impact step three. You know? It's kind of like just enjoying the ride a little bit, right? It's I mean, exactly like that. You know, you may not see the whole picture, but you know, having faith enough in, in your journey and where you're going and taking those steps that are true mm-hmm. to who you really are in your nature, you know, you don't necessarily have to know the end destination. Well, and that takes a huge pressure off of just us mentally too. Mm-hmm. If we, we think we have to have it all figured out, man, that's a lot of weight to carry around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And this is coming from a recovering type A. I mean, I was that guy yeah. that I thought everything I had to have all, you know, I thought I had to know what that end, the other end of that thing looked like before I would start moving. Yeah. Well, I think about, yeah. I live in a college town. And so I talk to a lot of like young you know, people who are about to graduate and they're like, you know, what should I be doing? Where should I be going? And I'm like, I'm like, dude, I didn't, I, I still don't even really know what I'm doing. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> focused on what I'm doing right now yeah. in the moment. Because uh, I've had so many random odd jobs. I was a high school teacher for a few years mm-hmm. doing what I'm doing now. I mean, it's just, it's just, you know, I think you're so spot on in terms of taking that mental burden off yourself. Uh, and also, man, I love what you said about, you know, giving yourself the time to reflect. It's like time and space, right? It's yeah. like having the time and space to really evaluate and reflect and think about, you know, what are those drivers for what that next step's going to be? We don't always get that time, but you right. have to really create it, you know, if you're going to figure that out. So, you know, one of the things we talk about connected to this is when you're taking the next steps is identify the difference between whether it's a support plan or a backup plan. Oh, that's interesting. Because backup plans and support plans could be the same activity. But, it, but it's determined on which it is by how you decided to do it. If you decided to do it out of fear, or if I decided to do it out of fear, it's a backup plan. Mm. It's basically saying, my original plan ain't going to work, so I better have this just in case. So, for example, like being an entertainment agent, which was my first backup plan, I made that decision to be a, because out of, uh, out of fear when I first did it. However, now I'm still an entertainment agent, uh, but it's a support plan for me mm. because it, I mean, it completely makes sense. You know, I book other groups. I book our own group. I've learned a ton about booking. You know, we, we, we even wrote a program to help uh, a training program to help bands learn how to make more money. That all came from that support plan. So if the decision's made out of this looks like it might be a, a next step of a way that could lead to my ultimate goal, then that's a support plan. Mm. Well, and how do you, how do you, how did you, or what advice do you have? Cause I, I talk to a lot of people, man, who are that th- avoiding that fear driven decision. Mm-hmm. I know a guy right now who's working for a company. He hates this company. And I'm like, what are you going to do? And he's like, ah, I'm working another five years. <laughs> and I was like, why? Like, what are you doing? Oh, and he was like, well, I mean, how would I pay for my family? Like, how would I take care of, he's got, you know, a handful of kids. He's like, how would I take care of them? 
and it's consistent that I see like this fear-based decision-making. Mm-hmm. How, how do you get over that and really drill in on this is what I need to be doing? The first part's just you got to want to, you want, got to want it bad enough to do it, you <laughs> yeah. know, enough the, to take the risk, right? I have a feeling your butt or your person you're talking about hasn't laid on the nail long enough. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I've heard that term years ago. I was like, Oh man, that's a, that's, that's a visual. I've never heard that expression. I'm going to use it, man. I love it. That's so good. But you know, you lay on it long enough, it starts to really hurt. And that's, that's a lot of times when decisions are made. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's the pain of, um, you know, I can't, I've heard it's, you know, described to be, um, from Tony Robbins. I've heard it from Maxwell. I don't know who it really came from, but the, um, the pain of change versus the pain of staying right. the same. And it's, it's that whole concept of laying on the nail long enough where you say, okay, I'm going to do something different because I can't take this anymore. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So tell me, you know, and this is so fascinating, man. You know, the other thing that's a bit interesting just talking to you is I met you on LinkedIn. And I got to I got to tell you man when I think about the stereotypical LinkedIner I don't think <laughs> of the musician and so I was already right off the bat fascinated with you because I thought okay this is different so talk to me about where did LinkedIn come in on this what got you involved in LinkedIn you know where are you going with that Yeah I've only been active on LinkedIn about 5 months mm. and it was because my friend Monty Clark who is a, he wrote a book on, you know, how to effectively work LinkedIn. I went to lunch with him and he's like, you know, I was telling him about you who our market is for a lot of this stuff. He goes, Oh, because you got, he goes, you got to get serious about LinkedIn. He goes, I'll help you teach you what to do. And, uh, and we'll just, you know, we'll just do it. And that's what, and so that's what I did. And I loved his advice because it was all about just creating content that was potentially valuable to somebody. There was no, no part of what he taught or told me to do that involved me trying to sell somebody on LinkedIn. Mm. And that, that that felt right. Mm. And so I just started doing it and, and I agree with you. I feel like I've, I'm sitting on a platform with hardly any other musicians on it. <laughs> I, I think they're coming. Yeah. You know, I think they'll, they'll eventually catch on to what's going on because the music industry is changing so much that there's not, you know, that the old ways of doing things are not the same. And there is a whole big market out there of doing work with corporations and doing work with organizations and, and just all these different things that you're not going to get those on Facebook Mm. or Instagram or any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And so, well, and I, go ahead. I was just saying, I love, you know, I, I so agree uh, in the sense of like the selling in this, you know, and it's just so funny. It's like the more that I just give, just give value. Mm-hmm. It's interesting how much more profitable that has made my business. Like in the sense of like, yeah. now there's people who are like coming back around to me and they're like, man, I saw this from you. Can we work together? Hey, I, I you know, read this from yours, from you. And it's, for me, it feels like common sense and it feels like it, it pings with you as well. Mm. And yet there's still like a tribe on LinkedIn of the people who, like I just had one in my inbox, inbox this morning of, you know, Blake, I'm not going to, I'm not going to move on until you let me tell you about my services. And it's like so one way and it's so selling and it's so transactional. And uh, it's just interesting how some people just haven't, I don't know why that hasn't clicked for some people yet. 
Well, maybe they haven't laid on the nail long enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe it is working a little bit, but yeah. I can't imagine it working much longer because it really seems like there is an overall shift that has taken place and it's taking place where nobody wants to be sold anymore. We want to make our own decisions. We want to do our own research online. We want to, you know, we, we just don't, we don't want to sit in meetings and be told what to do. Well, and it's, it's, you know, everything you could ever want to know about a product you want to buy is literally right at your fingertips, the power of Google. Yeah. I mean, I can literally with Alexa, Hey Alexa, tell me about this, you know, and it'll <laughs> she'll yell at me, whatever the product is. And you know, it's the power now is in the buyer's hands, which means that, you know, you can't just go in and, and pitch and just assume that what you say is going to be good enough. Um, I think you're totally spot on. It's just, it's just a different market today. It's, it's more fun this way too. Yeah. You know, it's, I feel it, better about myself this way. Exactly. <laughs> I didn't manipulate someone into buying from me. Don't need to take a shower after transaction. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The sleazy right. car salesperson. Right. You know? Well, tell me, uh, do you got, do you have a family? I do. Yeah. I've been married uh, 22 years. Wow. And I've got a 21 year old son who is uh, in irrigation. He's a bass player as well. Okay. And then, uh, <laughs> Some music eight, stayed in the family, huh? It did. Yeah. Hey, I got okay. an 18 year old daughter who is getting ready to go to K uh, State. Okay. Uh, okay. In spite of their, in spite of their basketball game shenanigans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So tell me, I got, I got a baby due in uh, March. First yep. one. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Right, so tell me what to do, man. <laughs> well, as soon as I figure it out. <laughs> That's I'll not good to know. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, oh, I'll tell you what, it's a big difference between boys and girls. I know that. Well, I hope yeah. I, I hope I flipped the right coin then. So, yeah, well, you know, there's, there's, there's something that really special that happens with a father daughter relationship, you know, yeah, okay. and you I mean, and you know, there's something completely different with your boys too. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just, it's just different. Yeah. And, uh, so each one has a, has, you know, and, and I have a completely different relationship even between my two boys, mm -hmm. you know, just, just how they, yeah. So, well, so let's, let's, let's go uh, a totally different direction. What's been the secret sauce for you and your wife for the 22 years of marriage? <laughs> well, she's, so I told you I was recovering type A and she's, she is a big help to that because she is so opposite of that. Okay. That she has, you know, she, she tells people all the time, like I'm, she goes, I'm not going anywhere because I do not want to train another one. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we just, uh, we, we communicate well, we right off the bat. So when I went from the agent, C area to the, the the vitamin sales was about the time we got married and we did the vitamin sales thing together, man. I'm telling you what, you want to test a marriage on the front end, go ahead, go start into a business bit. together. Yeah, go into business together. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah. that was, that was, there were some crazy times. You there. were testing and, the waters from the get go. Oh my gosh. Man, yeah. Goodness. And, uh, I don't know if I'd recommend that, you know, a second time. You know, but, uh, well, I was Go going to say, what's funny is, um, so my wife, she runs a business, I run a business. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I left my last job to come and her, she's always run her business from home. And so when I started my business, I ran it out of the home. And I remember there were so many people who were like, man, are you guys going to be okay? Cause you're going to be around each other 
um, all day, every day. Yeah. And, um, fortunately it's been awesome. I mean, it's like having just a best friend who I'm just around, you know, we kind of like give each other high fives when we make a sale. Um, but, um, I don't know if that would have been true when we first got married. I don't know if we really liked each other when we were first married, but, uh, fortunately several years later, I think we're in a lot better place. That's awesome. Well, I think, I think finding each other's own thing is, <laughs> is valuable too. you know, learning to, be completely like for me, just learning to be completely okay with myself and not require my happiness to come from her and vice versa. I think that's a big thing. The, uh, cause that put, that takes the pressure off of each other to, to do something that we don't have the power to do to begin with. Mm, yeah. You know, it's, um, it's just, it's interesting listening to you, man. Cause it just sounds like you have such clarity on your identity, you know, who you are and, and, and a comfort in that too. And I, I think that's especially important to point out because our social media world we live in now has so much comparison. It has so much of an identity crisis on who am I and how do I fit? Uh, I just think it's encouraging just as I'm listening to you, I'm just like, man, this guy really, you know, has figured out who he is. Well, I appreciate that a lot. The I I have to credit a f- number of people for that, and some some specific ones. You know, my brother and I have have had a coach that have guided us for seven years, almost six years now. Mm. You know, just having that outside voice, and you know, I mean, that's where you're at. That's what you're doing. You yeah. know, that outside voice is. I mean, I, I can almost say it's everything. I mean, it's good to have your own internal stuff, but man, if you got somebody there that can, can help you weed through the way or or, uh, wade through the weeds. Yeah. Well, it's hard to see it when you're in it. Right. You know, it's real hard to know because you're biased, you know, you're picking up on the things that are most important to you, even when they may not be important. And you're also missing the things, you know, the key uh, the things that you really need to be focused on. Um, obviously I'm biased with you. I agree that people, (laughs) but, um, no, that's cool to hear. And it's, I, you know, and it's funny for even myself, when I think about my own success, all I see are just like, man, I just see a string of mentors who just Mm -hmm. were so, um, just generous with their time, you know, generous with helping me, you know, it's, it's a crucial thing for anyone's development. So before we had the coach we have now, I've got, we, we both took vocal performance lessons from the same guy. And I thought I was going to this guy for vocal performance lessons. And for, for two months, every week we didn't, I didn't hardly sing at all. I'm like, what is going on with this deal? Yeah. You know, I, I never had a coach at this point, so I didn't know that's what he was doing, but he was, he was coaching the internal me before we ever were going to get to the voice part. Oh yeah. I mean, it was so untraditional for a vocal coach, you know, and, (laughs) but I'm, man, I was with him for three years and I can, I can just about, I can just about repeat every little saying he ever said to me that Mm. has had a huge impact. You know, one of the, one of the things he talked about was whether you're in life or you're on stage is to, to live every moment in the moment Mm. and treat each moment like its own moment. Mm. And don't try to make the, don't, if you have a fantastic moment, you still got to say that one's over because it's never going to come back. 
Yeah. And so he would do this thing like he's like, oh man, up there. He's like, you got to go down here and push the reset button on that. Yeah. Reset. Because, you know, we, we'll find this, you know, you get on stage and you and you'll have a song and you just tell you're in the zone and you're mm-hmm. killing it. The crowd's with you and everything. And then that song ends. And if we try to refabricate that, the next song, it's going to fall flat on its face. Mm-hmm. But if we hit that reset, say, you know, no, that one's over. This next one's its own moment. Mm-hmm. And just and let that be a special point too. That plays across, you know, your entire life. You it know? really it really does. And I mean, I, I'm sure we could both think of people, both positive and negative, who today's identity is on whatever happened, you know, even years ago. And like to go like super stereotypical, it's like the guy who tells everyone he was like the quarterback, you know, in right. high school. And you're like, dude, you're 40. You know, it's like, like it's, you're way past that, you know, like focus on today. Um, but I think, I think even that's a great insight. I think you're spot on. So what, what, what's next for you? I mean, like what, you know, you've, you got this series you're working on, you mentioned you're a keynote speaker, you know, is it, is it on to bigger and better things where you're just continuing to book events? Uh, I saw this morning, by the way, you had posted and said a, a song that you had written and I listened mm-hmm. to it and I was like, okay, great. I'm bringing on someone who actually is good at, you know, cause you never know, you know? And so I listened and did a great job. Sounded awesome. Um, and, uh, you know, so what's, what's happening next with you? Like, what are you working on? Well, we, we've got about seven different projects that are all connected to music right now. But, um, so that, you know, there's the dream big series, the, there's the, uh, podcast. Uh, we're also working on songs for music licensing, which is a whole new world out there. Thanks to Netflix and Hulu and all these shows that, all have, if you ever close your eyes during any of it and just listen, you're going to hear a ton of music. And most of you have never going to heard before, mm. or you will not have heard before because it's not, they're not out there paying the hundreds of thousand dollars that they would have to pay to use a song that is top 20 song. Mm-hmm. So they'll pay other artists, a lot of times independent artists, which we are, you know, still really good money to create music for that. So that's been a lot of fun for us because we're actually dipping way outside our country roots Mm. to create a bunch of instrumentals. There's some, you know, I went through a lot of years of rock years before I came back to the country in a, you know, when I started playing, I was playing Eddie Van Halen stuff. So it's, it's been a quite a migration over the years. But um, (laughs) so I'm actually getting, getting back into some of that on this instrumental stuff, which is a lot of fun and Uh just, uh, yeah. That's cool, man. Now for the listeners, what's, what's like the one thing they need to do to connect with you right now? Is it, is it, is it go, you know, to your LinkedIn profile? Is it going somewhere else? Is it checking out your podcast? I mean, what's, where do you want them to go first support you? Yeah, I think, I think probably LinkedIn because I can, they can get to anything else that they want. Great. uh, From me from there. So I'll put, um, I'll put a link to the episode or excuse me, to uh, your profile in the episode description. And is there anything else you want to share today? Man, I just appreciate the time. This is a great thing you're doing here. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's um, it's the stories of the people I get to meet. I think that's what's most compelling. And I think what's really exciting is for someone to listen to you and realize, you know, for someone as down to earth as you are, you know, sometimes we think that success only happens for, I don't know, like a hero we create in our mind. But yeah. I, I think um, I think your story is encouraging. I think it has a lot of optimism with it. So thanks for being here today, man. I appreciate it. Yep, thank you. 
And for the listeners, let me know what you think about the episode. You can email me, Blake, at goodadvicecoaching.com. You can also feel free to subscribe and leave a review on the podcast, and we will catch you next week. See ya.